this virus. Now we've seen this sudden surge. Some people are saying one of the problems is uh, we've got a very leaky border. We've got so many exemptions uh, to, to, the, to the arrivals here that, that don't have to serve quarantine in a, in, a, in a hotel or go home. Is that part of the problem? Are we, are we making too many exemptions for people coming in? Uh, I personally don't, but I don't need to defend the government. These questions were asked, um, you know, to government officials many times, and they have come up with their answers. I look at the figures. I know what they are. Um, I don't think this um, third wave is caused by uh, those exemptions. So, so what, what do you think has gone wrong? What, what do you think is, is the cause of this? Are we not doing enough testing, maybe? I don't think the testing uh, is going to uh, find out a lot. In fact, this is um, something where we have to be vigilant. I keep telling my restaurateurs, even when the government relaxes all the restrictions, we should keep our masks on, we should keep our um, alcohol uh, uh, on, we should be measuring uh, temperature even for customers and for ourselves, our employees. Whether the government wants it or not, then we should keep uh, our social distancing apart. So all these things, I think we need all of us, every one of us, all 7 million plus of us, to keep doing it for a while. I know it's difficult um, for everybody to stay vigilant. It's been a long time wearing a mask. It's very difficult. I keep, mm. I've, actually I've said it um, a month ago, I, I keep asking my kitchen staff, I know it is hard when you're sweating in the, in the kitchen and then to have to wear a mask. I sweat uh, uh, one morning uh, for two hours. I hardly can breathe with my mask uh, when it's wet. So I, I can understand. I keep telling them, please, I know it is difficult, but let's all help out. Mr. Jung, thank you very much for joining me this morning. That's Executive Councillor Tommy Jung. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Quick look at the markets. In Australia, the SX200 up two-thirds of a percent. Nikkei 225 in Japan up three-quarters of a percent. And the Hang Seng all set to rise one percent at the open this morning. The weather forecast, mainly fine, apart from one or two showers. Very hot during the day. Maximum temperature of about 33 degrees. There is a very hot weather warning in force. It's 29 degrees right now, 79% relative humidity. 8.32, Ben Che has the half-hour news. The British Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab has suspended the UK's extradition treaty with Hong Kong, citing the recently imposed national security law. Mr Raab also told Parliament that Britain was extending to Hong Kong an arms embargo already in place for mainland China. The BBC's Norman Smith reports. Mr Raab pledged to review major Chinese economic investments in the UK, including in new nuclear power stations, and to ban arms sales to Hong Kong. This will include an embargo on the sale of shackles, smoke grenades and other implements used in internal repression. The Foreign Secretary further promised that new arrangements would be unveiled later this week for Hong Kong citizens with British national overseas status and their dependents to settle in the UK. Britain and the world, said Mr Raab, were now watching China. 
Early trials of a coronavirus vaccine being developed at Oxford University have shown that it induces a strong immune response against the virus. One of the scientists, Sarah Gilbert, said the results proved that it was a promising option that could be manufactured on a large scale, but added that more tests were needed, and it's hoped further research will confirm the vaccine will give people extended protection. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Ada Wong. Hong Kong has recorded another 66 locally contracted coronavirus cases, with over two dozen of them listed as from unknown sources. While health officials appealed to the public to seek tests at private clinics instead of approaching public hospitals, which are now feeling the strain of the pandemic, and there are warnings of the need for a curfew or a more comprehensive lockdown if those numbers don't improve. Across the Pacific, President Trump, who for months refused to encourage mask wearing as a way to combat the coronavirus yesterday tweeted a picture of himself with his face covered he said we are united in our effort to defeat the invisible china virus and many people say that it's patriotic to wear a face mask when you can't socially distance but what's the state of the pandemic there and here what have we learned about the most effective measures how is the development of a vaccine going let us know your thoughts your questions and your comments on our facebook page Backchat and rthk radio 3 you can email back chat at rthk.hk or you can call us and we'll put you on air and our number is 233-88266 233-88266 is the number we look forward to hearing from you uh, just a few uh, emails to start off with uh, related some to our discussion uh, yesterday which is also focusing on uh, COVID-19 uh, developments uh, we were asking about the situation in Macau and the public health measures in Macau uh, Thomas C says uh, hi from Macau as a foreigner here I've been stuck here since the beginning. Macau is very strict on testing. Most buildings in Macau require daily health declaration on entry. Uh, Casinos were closed for a while but are now open with great restrictions. Mr Tang says the lax attitude that some members of the community adopt in the prevention of COVID-19 could be one of the contributing factors to the spike in infections. Social distancing rules are not followed strictly all the time, as evidenced in a number of clusters resulting from meal and social gatherings. Inappropriate wearing of masks and hand washing is worrying too. Quite often people pull down their masks to smoke, uh, speak on the phone or even ask people for directions. In washrooms, I notice that some men floss their teeth, others blow their nose and spit into the basin. You, that's why I need to survey a washroom every time I enter one. And if I see any behaviour that, be, that may spread the virus, I will flee and go to another one. Making mask wearing mandatory in indoor areas is a great move, as I now have ground to call out anyone not observing the rule. Of course, I will maintain appropriate social distance with those violators for fear of infection. That's from uh, Mr. Mr. Tang. And uh, finally, in this section, this one from uh, Martin, uh, who says, this is not our regular Martin, I think we have two regular Martins, this is another one, I think. Uh, Martin says, the administration says it's searching desperately for facilities to handle the increasing number of COVID cases. However, it appears to be reluctant to requisition the central hospital that has been disgracefully left to decay for almost a decade. Central and Western District Council suggested that it be renovated. After all, there is only one resident living close by. The bishop moved out years ago to Pacific Heights in Taiwan. 
Tam. I think that's a reference to the chief executive. But our chief executive said it's not suitable as it is mostly open plan layout. So what? They're building a new facility at Penny's Bay in a few weeks. Even if it couldn't be used for isolation, it could certainly be adapted for use as a testing centre or could accommodate some of the public health services, hospital services that have been cancelled. Another excuse is that it would take a few months and the epidemic would have eased by them. Does Mrs Lamb know something health experts are unaware of? It's appalling the government has allowed a building design to designated to serve the community to be abandoned for years, while the Anglican Church pursues its plans to build another private hospital. There are already six on Hong Kong Island and none anywhere near capacity, even in good times, in order to reap unaccountable and tax-free revenues to be spent on, your guess is as good as mine, as religious bodies are not obliged to publish annual accounts. There should be a public outcry with regard to the failure of officials to put the public good above that of vested interests. Thank you very much indeed for that uh, insight. Uh, once again, our email, backchat at rthk.hk. Joining us for this part of the programme until nine o'clock, uh, we have with us now Dr Eric Ding, an epidemiologist, health economist and nutrition scientist at the Harvard Chan School of Public Health, and Dr William Chung, who's a medical doctor uh, based in New York. Good morning to both of you. Uh, Dr Ding, maybe we'll start with you again. It's good, good, good to talk to you and, and catch up. Um, one thing that uh, we, want, we, we touched on in our programme yesterday in our discussion uh, was the issue of uh, the mortality rates. Well, uh, you know, Donald Trump has been catching attention once again. Uh, and there was this conflict uh, over the question of mortality rates in the United States. Uh, as an epidemiologist, can, can you explain what the, uh, you know, how the US is doing in terms of mortality rates and what exactly that means and why is there that confusion, it seems? Yeah, so the U.S. Um, has obviously changed a lot since we've spoken a couple months ago. And so cases are rising very quickly in the Sun Belt, southern U.S. states. And the mortality is catching up in those parts. So mortality is always a couple weeks lag, three, four, sometimes five weeks. But we know that the mortality is increasing. But at the same time, uh, the northeast U.S., like... Um, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, they're having a really, really fast drop. So if you look at the overall U.S., it looks like the mortality is hovering pretty, uh, you know, it's decreased because of the north, northeast, and it looks like it hasn't really increased. But if you look at the southern states specifically, it has definitely increased. And I think that was where the confusion is. People expect deaths to go up at the same time as cases. No, there's a lag. And that the, you have to look at state by state. But um, uh, as compared to European countries, is the mortality rate um, lower, a little bit lower than, you know, in the United States? Oh, the U.S. mortality rate is still orders of magnitude higher than, than Europe. Our caseload is many, many folds uh, higher. And our mortality rate is about, uh, I think off the bat, like five, six, or eight times higher. Um, so the U.S. is in nine, any shape or form any better than Europe. The, the mortality rate refers to the number, the proportion of patients who, who die, is that right, rather than the proportion of the population, rather than Well, so, yeah, so there's a case fatality rate, uh, which means proportion of people uh, diagnosed cases who died. So in that sense, you know, it has gone down a little bit since early in the epidemic, but I think that's also expected because of our improved treatments. We know how to treat the blood clots that are happening. Uh, we know how to change the ventilator settings. We have a little more ventilator capacity than before. So 
so I think things, treatments have improved. We know what works. We have drugs now. What, so what about the testing situation? Are people getting tested? Are the suspected cases uh, getting US tested? The U.S. does have a high volume of tests, but what you have to realize, um, you know, with the confusion is the testing uh, increase has not increased as much as the cases. The rise in cases has outstripped the volume of testing. And just for comparison, U.S. Is, uh, testing is about... Um, has risen up only about like 20% in the last month or so, but like cases has more than doubled um, and almost tripled in terms of daily new cases. And so that is, shows you why the epidemic truly is growing, not just testing as Trump uh, advocates are claiming. As you said, we, we've heard about this increase in, in Sunbelt states and places like Florida and so on. But is, is it then actually declining? Is it on the downslope uh, in other places in the north? Um, well, in the Northeast, um, those cases are, are pretty low um, ever since the initial first wave hit. But no parts of the U.S. state. We have flare-ups in Idaho. We have flare-ups in Oregon. Um, we have flare-ups even in a lot of the, the Midwestern states where there's a lot of meatpacking factories. Uh, it's just that the Florida volume is a sheer volume of cases there in Texas. We're talking about 12,000, 15,000 a uh, new cases per day in each of those states. And and I think those numbers are even going to climb. We're going to hit 20,000 if this doesn't um, let up. And that's the number of new cases per state in each state per day. And that, that's why the, the U.S. is just on a runaway train right now. Do you, what, what about uh, the issue of uh, mask wearing? As I said in the introduction, that you know you've got Donald Trump now saying wearing a mask is is patriotic. That's you know different to what he was saying in the past. Uh, is there a change of attitude towards that, and perhaps other public health measures? Um, well, there's definitely been a lot of resistance up until recently uh, from a lot of these southern state governors uh, because it becomes has become a very polarizing issue here. Uh, in the U.S. is very different than in, uh, in the Asian countries where mask wearing is almost universal. Here it's, you know, uh, in terms of ways, a sign of weakness, sheep, as they say. Um, and I think that has been uh, been very detrimental, especially in the South. What happened is, you know, a lot of people in the Northeast knew someone who died or got sick with COVID. And so when the mask wearing came out, it took it very seriously. But people in the South, they weren't hit with the first wave, and many people didn't believe it. They thought it was overblown or a hoax, and hence they didn't wear masks, and, and plus the political polarization, mask wearing being so low, and, you know, the rugged individualism of these Southern conservative states that resist government intervention and mandates has put together a perfect, perfect storm. Um, not only didn't, did they not wear masks, but they were not observing social distancing measures. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's, the distancing measures in a lot of these areas, uh, you know, I think indoor distancing is now considered an oxymoron because I don't think it really exists. Based on our new um, studies, I think the six feet rule um, is not even that relevant anymore because I think there's a lot of scientists now who support that it's not just surface contact or, dis or droplets or as we call it ballistic uh, you know, saliva that gets pulled to the ground, but these micro droplets that float in the air as aerosols for 20 minutes, four hours at a time, 
that actually are really causing a, a boatload of these infections. And that's why distancing is almost moot. It's anytime you have any restaurants or bars open indoors is just a recipe for potential disaster. And so you'd be much better doing as many things as possible outdoors, eating, for example, outdoors. Yes. Would be better. Absolutely. I think outdoors is really key. Obviously, outdoors with a little bit of distance. But, um, you know, it's a spectrum. Outdoors in the crowded stadium with people shouting and cheering, not the best idea. Outdoor in a park by yourself or without that many people around you on a sunny day, I think it's relatively safe. And I would still recommend masks in public. Do you have any idea, any feeling for how long this is going to go on, <laughs> Dr. Ding? The U.S. is not on a good trajectory. I think right now we're, you know, we're up around almost 80,000 cases a day. We're going to hit 100,000 cases a day easily. We're going to top uh, 4 million um, cases total in the U.S. pretty quickly. I think deaths, you know, we're around 140-ish right now. 140,000 deaths. I think it's sky's the limit in terms of where the trajectory goes because the U.S. just does not have a pandemic response plan. It just does not. You know, governors like Georgia, Governor of Georgia, actually imposed a rule that said no city or county within Georgia may impose a mandatory mask uh, law. So he actually blocks laws that tries to require masks. And that's just opposite of everything that we want to go to. And this is the state of America right now, especially in the deep south. And, and why is the COVID-19 so difficult to tackle? I think it, it's one of those things that really requires collective action on society. And societies that have collective action um, and, attempt, and believe in science, and uh, you know, whether it's climate change or air pollution or water pollution, which are the U.S. EPA very much ignores. Um, and I think this collective action factor is really key because America is a country of rugged individualism. And, and people do not want to collectively shut down, collectively not go to uh, uh, businesses and Disney World, which is open right now in the middle of Florida. It's just causing a lot of grief and strife, and the polarization of masks has not helped it at all. And our leadership under Trump is, you know, they, basically under the new relief bill, they're cutting billions and billions, like anywhere from 10 to 30 billion from the CDC and testing funding. And that's just completely opposite of what, what direction that we need to go. Okay, well, Eric Ding, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Uh, not a medical doctor, we should say, but an epidemiologist, a health economist and nutrition scientist at the Harvard Chan School of uh, Public Health. Paisley, in an email, says, uh, as Hugh highlighted at the top of the day's programme, President Trump has finally endorsed the idea of wearing a mask in an attempt to deflect criticism of his administration's perceived mishandling of the pandemic. Trump keeps blaming China, China for the virus. Yet how many of the 140,000 American deaths could have been avoided if the White House had unequivocally supported supported wearing masks from the outset rather than making it a political issue. How many of those lives could have been saved if Trump hadn't pushed so aggressively for the economy to be reopened? 
Half, i.e. 70,000. Uh, 10%, i.e. 14,000. It's anyone's guess, but you're almost certainly talking about several thousand. To put this into perspective, the combined total number of Americans killed during 9-11, less than 3-11, the war in Afghanistan, around 2,200, uh, 2, and the Iraq war, around 4,500, was, was less than 10K. That's uh, food for thought. That comes from Paisley. Thank you very much indeed for that. Backchat at rthk.hk. Also joining us now is Dr. William Chung uh, on the line, a medical doctor uh, who's based uh, in New York. Dr. Chung, uh, good day to you. Thank you very much yeah. indeed for, for joining yeah, us good day, yeah. today. Um, t tell us about your experience. Tell us about the situation as you understand it in New York. Well, What's been happening um, over the past month? Actually, I think New York City is, is a very good example, I mean, uh, for, for the country and also like uh, other metropolitan cities. Now, like, uh, we have this uh, epidemic since uh, March this year. And then uh, when it started, like only like double digit cases, and then it rise rapidly within a month to like uh, the, the peak is 6,000 cases a day in April, early April. And then but, uh, actually we started like, start the program of uh, shelter in place at the end of March. Shelter in place means like uh, people doesn't need to go to work and uh, doesn't need to... Uh, uh, go to uh, cannot go to the hospital, cannot uh, visit their like uh, senior uh, uh, families, uh, but they allowed to go shopping in the supermarket, like uh, essentials, like uh, things. Go to the pharmacy. They can like uh, go to exercise in the park. And from the uh, uh, shelter in place in end of March, and then the case start dropping cases from like early April. To make in one month, it made it down to about 2,000, 2,000 uh, uh, a day, a day, new cases, and then in June it down to like hundreds, and now it's like uh, still we have like a few hundred cases a day, but also the distribution is very uneven, and then I with the data from the New York City, I can see like the highest rate is in like uh, populated area, and the poverty. Poverty is also important. Higher rate in the poverty area. And uh, also in different ethnic groups, the black and Hispanic is highest among the uh, uh, population. And then the Asian has the lowest. Now, I, I, I mainly like uh, practicing like all the borough, like uh, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and uh, Queens. And my patients are most are Asian. Uh, and Asians are very conscientious about this, like, uh, COVID or SARS, because they have their experience with the uh, SARS, like, uh, many years ago. So, early on, the Asians adopt wearing masks, and very careful about, like, uh, touching uh, public uh, places and uh, avoiding uh, crowding. So, the, from the beginning, uh, I see the Asians have much lower rate than the uh, other ethnic groups. And even with like uh, a certain white ethnic group, like the Jewish people, once uh, like uh, is uh, has very uh, dramatic uh, death rate in like uh, Brooklyn borough, uh, especially those uh, religious group. They have a lot of uh, religious gathering. So, so I would say like uh, from our experience, New York City was was like a really like a dangerous area, but. Within, like, uh, I would say three months from March to end of June, with the shelter in place and change of 
like lifestyle. We the cases uh, came down to like uh, less than two hundred a day. Even though I would say the cases left, but uh, uh, I just want to be assured it's not even the cases left, but the severity of the cases much less than before. I think maybe there's something change in terms of the um, uh, variants of the virus. Mm. Now, like uh, I would say, less than one percent people will really like uh, die from it, and then mainly are those really older people from like fifty and above. If they have underlying medical problems, or if they are obese, these are the main factors I can I can see, which are highly correlated with severity and also uh, mortality. Uh- Dr. Chang, but the summer months are here and, and normally people will go travel around and um, the weather gets pretty hot in New York, so people might uh, decide not to wear face masks or face coverings. Do, do you think um, there might be a danger of a, of a new wave uh, of the virus? No, no, no. Actually, you can see the wave is already calmed down because it's not just like the, uh, last week, but since uh, June. So for one month, the rate is keep low. That's why the, the sea can open to now we call it phase four. But the lifestyle is changed. You know, we, we have uh, adopted a lot of like uh, remote learning, remote uh, uh, work. So people stay home. Uh, really, there's not much uh, crowding. Uh, you don't gather in a restaurant. Mostly you just take out or you order delivery. And social distancing is, is definitely important, not just wearing a mask. But you can still exercise. A lot of people exercise even in the early months, like in April, May. I see people sometimes with masks, sometimes without masks. But the ca- casual contact really is not uh, high risk. But unless you, 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 you eat with someone face-to-face for like a few minutes or a couple, like half an hour, that, that is high risk because when you speak or when you eat, your saliva will gush out from your mouth. And this is the period where you can call the virus, even though the guy next to you may be asymptomatic, you can still call the virus. And then you don't have a mask because you eat. But most of the time, if you don't, like, uh, you know, yelling or talking. As long as you keep us, uh, uh, like, six feet uh, social distancing, it's quite safe. And then, of course, uh, when we go to supermarket, or I, I advise my, uh, my patients and, uh, and friends, they should wear masks and also wear gloves. So try not to touch with your own hand. So you wear disposable gloves, and also you wear a mask. And all this time, I never close my office. And then none of my staff caught the virus. As long as you keep all this, this rule, right? Like, but but like, people uh, do get tired. Uh, yeah. Dr. Jung, people do get tired of these Most rules. Most people get, get sick because they don't, have, they don't have the education or they don't have the... Uh, sometimes they, 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 don't, they don't appreciate. Especially like, that's why there's so much difference in terms of Asian population and, uh, and the Hispanic and black population. A lot of times, like those those uh, in higher poverty have higher rates because they may not have enough understanding, or they don't learn from you know from the media.
，都知道地政美咧份嚟噶，定系但系 idols 或者都咧份嚟噶 public authority。You so, so, the, the, the sure. Yeah, one thing you mentioned there was was was, was uh, Doctor Chung was was wearing gloves, was wearing disposable gloves. But I mean, I've heard other people saying that they're that's not a good idea because getting them on and off without contact is is, is quite tricky. No, no, you know, unless you're a surgeon, you're and you're you, you're better off just washing so your hands. You throw away. Yeah, but how do you get them off? What do you use to throw away? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, the risk is very low. You get off your gloves, you still have to wash your hands. Yeah, but sometimes if you go 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 shopping, you do your like uh, other like uh, activities, you forget or you don't have availability to to uh, sanitize your hands. Okay. Okay. Related question is: is what about washing groceries? Should you clean your groceries when you bring them home? You can always wash a grocery, but but like uh, risk of. Having like virus in like、uh, clothing or grocery, I think I don't think the risk is that high.、Hmm. It isn't that high because when you when you when you cook your food, you, you wash it anyway. And like,、uh, but like、uh, I mean, unless like、uh, people eat fresh salad, you know, they don't wash it. But most of the time,、uh, our customers will peel the skin off. And then, or we wash the the, the vegetable, or, or even we cook it, so the virus won't survive if you put the food in high temperature,、okay. or you you wash back. But like、uh, the risk, I mean, the problem is 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 the fear. It's really the fear. So, I mean, for me, it's really like surprise. You don't have like you know hundred k every day in Hong Kong, and there's so much fear among the population. That that's even worse than the virus itself. Now. At the present, I would say the mortality of this virus is one percent, and it's only affecting the really the really sick, older people, or like those already have underlying medical illness. For most, most the eighty or ninety percent, if you're young or healthy, it's just a virus. I'm I'm not trying to like tune down this this this, this form, but the fear is more deadly. Okay, we're out of time, but we take your point, Dr. Chung. Thank you very much indeed for joining us, William Chung, a medical doctor based in New York. We're going to continue focusing on Hong Kong after the news.、Uh, the weather mainly fine, one or two showers, thirty degrees at the moment. Humidity is at seventy-eight percent. Back in three minutes. Evidence of recent and widespread tectonic and magma activity on the planet's surface. You're news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chats on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chewerton. We're talking about COVID nineteen developments、uh, in Hong Kong in this part of the program. We were talking about the、uh, the US principally、uh, before nine o'clock.、Uh, Jay in an email says, "I really want to know why we're talking about America. We live in Hong Kong. We have different strains of virus. Americans are being idiots and not wearing face masks. Hong Kong's already proved face masks work. We want to know what sort of detergent to wash our clothes, which is the best disinfectant for hands.、Uh, what is the best disinfectant?" To spray over a floor, bathrooms、uh, are the drop that shoot out straight out of our mouths, or are they getting onto our shoes?、Uh, 
how our research institutes doing with vaccines. We'll, we'll see if we can address some of those uh, questions uh, in uh, this part of the uh, programme. Uh, Jay uh, S says for Paisley's information, this is following up on an email from the first part. Uh, right from the beginning, it was actually the WHO who did not advise strongly to wear masks. The administ- American administration even said no to closing borders to certain countries when Trump insisted because WHO advised otherwise. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from uh, Matthew, who says, What's happening at Hong Kong U? First respected Dr. Yan Li Meng, who specialised in virology and immunology at the Hong Kong U School of Public Health, fled to the US, claiming she'd been asked to stay quiet on aspects of the virus, which would have upset the CCP. Now three of the eight most senior Hong Kong U microbiologists have quit. I guess it must be very difficult for academics, especially those from scientific and technical backgrounds, to figure out how to manage the red line in today's environment. If there is a Hong Kong U person on the back chat this morning, I'd be interested to know more. And if this kind of movement is unusual in the academic setting among staff, who I assume are tenured, that question from Matthew. We do have some people from Hong Kong U, but I, I, they're not speaking on behalf of uh, the University of Hong Kong. So uh, I don't think I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put those questions uh, directly uh, to them today. And finally, Alonzo in an email says, listeners should read an article in today's South China Morning Post entitled Hong Kong's Third Wave. How did the city's scariest surge in COVID cases start and what did authorities miss? It highlights some of the glaring mistakes the government made, specifically the loopholes it ignored vis-a-vis sea crew entering Hong Kong. To quote one excerpt from the article, quote, data from the Transport and Housing Bureau show that around 11,730 sea crew members have been exempted from quarantine since February and the city has been allowing un restricted sea crew change for vessels since June the 8th. The arrangements means even vessels that do not have cargo operations can enter local waters to rotate their sea crew, who before the July the 8th did not need to undergo any quarantine and testing. The possible transmission risks brought by sea was raised in late June after nine ship workers who arrived in Hong Kong from Indonesia, Greece and Croatia were found by mainland authorities to be infected with COVID-19 when their vessel arrived at Ningbo in eastern China. The group had spent up to three days in Hong Kong before leaving for Ningbo. That is from Alonso. Joining us for this part of the programme we have now, uh, Joseph Lee, who's the healthcare sector lawmaker, uh, outgoing uh, legislator, uh, Professor Professor Wan Xiong-Yong Yu, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Biomedical Sciences at the City University, and John Nichols, clinical professor in pathology at the University of Hong Kong. Maybe Professor Nichols, we'll start with you. Good morning. Good morning. And, and thanks for, for, for joining us today. Uh, it's been a while since we, since we last spoke. Um, c- could you sort of uh, bring us up to speed? Um, there's a lot of discussion about kind of different strains of the, of the virus happening. What, what, what have we learnt uh, about the, the virus about and also about how to combat it uh, in the past uh, couple of months. Okay, so, so when we talk, talk about the mutation, people are talking about this thing called the D6on4G. Uh, what that means is that the, um, the spike of the coronavirus is, is a protein, so it's made up of lots of things called amino acids, and there's been this little change in this amino acid from what's called an aspartic acid to a glycine. And so the big free-floating anxiety which is going around is that there's been some reports saying that this uh, mutation in cell culture is that uh, it leads to far more infectious virus. And so everybody is saying, well, you know, isn't that, that going to be, uh, you know, it's mutated at the end of the world. 
the challenge with that is that um, what you see in culture does not necessarily trans, uh, transfer to being increased into transmission. And so the clinical data has shown that whilst uh, these uh, people might have a bit more increase in RNA, it hasn't really been conclusively shown that this mutation does lead to increased transmission. And furthermore, you know, like all, like all many of the RNA viruses, we're always getting slight mutations, like influenza viruses mutating uh, from year to year. And um, it just causes a little bit of a change. Sometimes it might have some effects, sometimes not. So I think that... Uh, my point of view is that, you know, yes, there is this mutation, uh, whether or not it's a founder effect, which means it arose very early. But I think it doesn't, to me, it doesn't really, uh, from a clinical point of view, it doesn't mean that much because we're already putting on masks, we're all already practicing social distancing. So whether or not it's transmitting might transmit a bit more effectively doesn't really that mean that much to ordinary man in the street because we're doing uh, all the right things to stop the uh, transmission. Um, Professor Nichols, uh, what about um, the mortality rate? We've seen uh, a couple of um, older patients dying in the last two weeks. Is that just because of their age, or do you think it it is also related to the mutation of the virus? Right. Okay. So, so basically, um, there's the report from the U.S. said there was a very slight increase in people with this mutation uh, entering the intensive care, but it did not lead to an adverse outcome. So, um, so I think the published evidence shows that it doesn't lead to increased increase mutation. What you raise is a very important aspect, is that we have to look at not just not mortality, but a thing called excess mortality. Uh, and that is that uh, over the, the past six months is that, is that are we actually seeing far more people dying in this period of in the same age group than we would in, uh, from, let's say, the year before. And even though we're concentrating the same, there's over, you know, so many hundred thousand uh, deaths, is that we have to look at how much this is actually increased uh, from people uh, from the previous years, especially from the cohort, uh, you know, a 94-year-old, as you mentioned, is that uh, could they have died from influenza anyway? So, um, so I think it's very important not just to look at the death rate, but what's called, um, you know, is there basically excess mortality uh, on that. And that excess mortality, I, I mean, I've seen kind of graphs and so on in, in other places, and it is discernible, isn't it? There is a bulge. In, in some countries, you do see that. Uh, but, you know, in Hong Kong, I do no. not think we would see an excess mortality. So I think that, that as you've mentioned, yeah, there's some charts is which are actually dissecting out from both uh, mortality versus excess mortality. So, there's, you know, it's a very interesting aspect to look at. Sure, but as you say, yeah, in Hong Kong, the, the numbers of, of deaths have actually been so small that um, it probably wouldn't be, it wouldn't register. There, there was a, that debate, which seems to have died down a little bit now, about the about the origin of the virus, uh, whether it was uh, man-made, whether it escaped from a laboratory, if there were animals involved, you know, how, what was the role of the animals? Has there been any conclusion or any sort of consensus on on the on learning about where this virus came from? I think, well, that's why, I did, remember, the WHO a couple of weeks ago did send an epidemiological team and uh, some, uh, to actually have a look and seeing, looking at the, the source of this uh, outbreak. And uh, I haven't seen the re reports from that, but I think they will come up with a with a report on that. But the, but the but in the scientific community, uh, it being man-made and released from a virus, uh, released from a lab, that's basically only on the you know on the right wing uh, uh, website. So I think most of the scientific community. It will not exceed to that uh, that uh, possibility. 
why is this virus so dangerous? Is it because it's so easily spread, or why is this why is this virus making such an impact? Uh, there's lots of reasons for that. It's, uh, number one is that uh, we have no natural immunity to it. Firstly, the second thing is that um, we do not. Uh, there's a, there can be this transmission, what we call the asymptomatic or very low symptoms of the people so from the transmission. So it's very difficult to pick up in the early stages, which means that the isolation and monitoring is very difficult. And I think you've had people on your program just a couple of days ago that this is the big challenge about um, you know do you actually. Uh, if you're going to be monitoring or trying to detect it, do you actually screen the asymptomatic people or do you actually just go to people who are close contacts or, or who have symptoms? And so that's why, uh, you know, there's been sort of this discussion that with about Hong Kong is that, you know, we should have been far more aggressive uh, in being, you know, far more mass screening rather than uh, the more focused um, screening, which uh, the, I think the government had been uh, doing, which was based on the fact that we can only do a limited number of, of cases. We're not set up, unlike other regions, to do mass screening and, and mass testing. Um, but I do see that uh, people are really getting tired to fight the virus, and therefore, you know, public complacency is probably one of the reasons of this Hong Kong third wave. Uh, but this will continue. This fight against the virus will have to continue in, in the uh, second half of this year, do you think? Oh, definitely. So I think you've highlighted two things, both the complacency and the fatigue. Uh, and I've got um, research colleagues down in Melbourne uh, having a lockdown. And whereas for the first uh, uh, stage, there were you know, all this gung-ho thing about, yeah, well, let's do it and let's make all our sourdough cultures and we'll be, have these things. Now it's a sense of we, we did it and it didn't really work. And now there's a great sense of frustration, which is why the, there's far more legislation which has to be brought in to mandate it because uh, the public is just basically worn out uh, from all these restrictions. And if you hear, you know, we're going to be stopping schools another week, you know, I can see all the parents can be sort of uh, having their eyes, rolling their eyes, saying, you know, saying, not again. For me, one of the big worries is going to be coming for the, uh, for the coming winter season because that's going to be both combination when we get the, the influenza, when we get the cold weather, when we get more people congregating indoors, uh, you know, and that's and if, the, if the virus does actually uh, sort of have a resurgence, that's going to lead to even more um, sort of anxiety and problems. So, uh, so I think this is, you know, so people are very much, is this the, the lull before the storm? And, and I can understand totally why people are, are so worn out and exhausted uh, on, all, on all these restrictions and, and just wanting to get back to some, some degree of, of normality. And what about the prospects for a, for a vaccine? Uh, well, there will be a vaccine, uh, and you know, I think just yesterday the results of both the uh, the, the Chinese vaccine, uh, the uh, the UK one, and the Moderna—they're all releasing all these uh, increasing results, which would show that the that all three do have some some degree of immunity. But uh, but you know, it's it's going to be the as I've mentioned uh, before, the, the big problem is that uh, these. Vaccines, you know, will they? Will you need one shot? Will you need two shots? Will you need an adjuvant? Uh, most of the vaccines have been tested in the younger people, but it's, as we all know, it's uh, us old people who are more at risk for getting the severe complications. So, will the vaccine have any effects? Uh, be as effective in uh, the those over 55? I mean, that's why the the Oxford trial is now focusing on those. So, there's still a lot of unknowns on on the vaccine. OK, well, Professor Nicholl, thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us. Uh, Joseph Lee, good morning to you. Good 
Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for for joining us. And and uh, commiserations on the uh, on the results in the primary, I should say. Um, so you, I understand, you won't be standing again. Is that right? In uh, yes. Well, we'll, we'll, we will miss you. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Bad line there. All right. Uh, let, oh, okay. Uh, let's, let's get down to this. Um, uh, first of all, you know, there's been a lot of speculation. Some mentioned in the uh, in an email there uh, about the cause of this latest uh, return. It seems of uh, uh, of the virus and whether that was because of a shortfall in the exemption program when too many people were allowed in here from 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 outside. What what are your thoughts on that? Even though there's mutation, but not necessarily mean that the transmission is higher and more risk. And as some of the email and the SAMPS point out this morning, there's a policy loophole in the government and the delayed response of the government. And they Okay, Joseph. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, the the line quality is, is uh, really not very good. Let's see if we can uh, move one or two things around and, and contact you later. Let's go now to uh, Professor Yuan from the uh, Department of uh, Biomedical Sciences at City University. Professor Yuan, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Can I put that same question to you about um, do, do, you know we're seeing this uh, this third wave? Uh, how much do you think it's down to? Uh, people from outside coming in and, and shortfall in our, in our exemption program? Yes. Mm, certainly there are several factors, mm. multiple factors that can lead to a higher risk like what we have seen right now. And uh, w one of the main factors is the increased number of the like, possible imported cases. So you, you, you are definitely right. The, if we have, if the exemption allow more people to be exempt, the, the risk is <clears throat> we don't know how many people, like they come in as latent period or incubation period, and then suddenly they, after a few days, because they, they just finished the, the purpose, the working purpose here or business purpose here, so then they leave. So we are not able to track, track them. So later if they have symptom onset or they have fever, but then we, we, we don't know that they carry the disease in the last few days. And then because COVID-19, they, they have probably two to three days pre-symptomatic transmission period. So the, the risk is they can transmit in those days, but later when they have disease onset, we are not able to know that. And then we cannot identify the case and then through contact tracing to, to identify the possible close contact or, or in any places that they have been to. So the, so the risk is like this. It's just not like a number of the imported cases increase. The, the issue will be we, we cannot like locate where they have, like, have been and also who they have been in contact with. Uh, but then, you know, the government is really trying hard to do the contact tracing. But in the last few days, we heard that uh, they have not been successful. Uh, almost half of the cases, uh, they couldn't find the source. So what does it mean um, in, in the next few weeks? Do, do, does it mean that we have really many more cases? So, so that gives a very dangerous signal. Because mo most of the cases at the beginning, if they if the number of cases increase in a community. Most of the cases uh, in, in Hong Kong situation, about 80% can be identified through contact tracing. So, so that's the, during the normal stage. 
but, but later on, possibly because they spread out to many locations, and also the, the total number of the cases still keep increasing. For, for those two kinds of like a situation, it, it will let government to, to be very difficult to implement a very efficient contact tracing because there, there's a, a, a limit of their capacity. They, they, they have like a limited, limited number of the people who are doing contact tracing. So it, it's not like, a, like they can always identify like around 80% of cases that through contact tracing. So now if we look the current situation, the percentage they can identify will be lower and there will be more and more people like, like when they feel sick and later on they go to hospital and check they have COVID-19 infection but without the epidemic source, then that, that, that brings a very dangerous signal. Do you think there's a need now for uh, stronger measures, for a curfew, for some kind of lockdown? Mm. <clears throat> I, I think that now, the, the current situation is, like, it, it's normal for mo most of the country to relax the social distancing and some border control. I, I, I think the current situation is Hong, Hong Kong government did, I, I think the direction is correct, but they, they relax too quick. They relax social distancing and also the exemption to, to give exemption to many people all at the same time. So that then they cannot step by step to evaluate all, all, the, all the relax of the measure and see the impact on the COVID-19 local transmission. So, the, so they need to, the direction is correct, they, they slowly to relax. So, but now, now, now it gives a very, very dangerous Signal. So it depends on, I would say, depend on the next one or two weeks. Depend on whether the <coughs> community infection, whether they can be controlled. If if the cases still increase or maintain like more than 100 cases a day, then there's a health capacity issue and also the contact tracing like a capacity issue. They they cannot keep like a do a very good contact tracing job for. All the like lots of like cases in all Hong Kong without the epidemic source. So then that that will become a very difficult situation for government, and then think how to control the the current outbreak. Okay, well I think we have Joseph Lee back on the line now. Are you there? Yes, good morning. Okay, yeah, thanks for joining us. Okay, let's 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 go back to that uh, issue of the what you think is the cause of this. Uh, uh, latest outbreak and how much it's down to uh, exemptions? Probably as they just point out that, well, uh, even though there's a little mutation, it doesn't mean the infection has become higher and more risk. And I think the uh, third wave crisis uh, is probably because of the um, there's a policy loophole and the later government response. Uh, mainly because the returning of domestic helpers and those stop overseas crews and air crews get exempted. Uh, they're only very loose and self-quarantine kind of policy at home. And that causes a lot of trouble. The hidden cases become infected local people. And so there's a big outbreak. And also the public complacency become, um, well, very evident. And the public become uh, less aware of the situation and become more lax and very appear to so distancing. All these issues will cause, uh, will cause this outbreak, as you can see, as uh, experts just mentioned, the more than 40% of the cases has now 
have unknown source of transmission. So it makes the situation even worse. As you can see, the total number of infection, uh, infected cases more than is around 2,000. It's much more than those in the SARS period. And I guess at this stage, the government might consider, even though they have to balance the uh, situation between the economy and public health. And I, probably, uh, I, I on the contrary, I think companies now blow the direction. And so that, well, this balance should be shifted to where, and as you can see, the government might consider if they tighten all these lockdown measures. And so government might consider giving some sort of financial support to those very vulnerable groups that uh, might be affected economically uh, by this impact of the wave. Uh, I guess the government will consider this, this situation right now. Uh, Joseph, uh do you think the hospital authority is now more prepared than in February, March? Uh, now it looks like that we are short of hospital beds, the negative pressure rooms are almost full, and then the quarantine camps, it seems that we don't really have enough rooms in the quarantine camps. Um, and protective clothing, they say, you know, that will last three months. To, to me, you know, they are now you know, four to five months to prepare for a second wave, third wave, and possibly fourth wave. But um, have they done enough? Well, uh, as in the past two or three months, the situation become more um, stable, and people, uh, well, try to not to remember that this uh, actually a situation in hospital is not very promising. As you can see, in the past weeks or even months, there's a frequent malfunction of the negative pressure rooms. Uh, the PPE supply is unknown, and also the industrial skylight uh, has been changed a lot, and even manpower. And so I guess uh, I, I cannot see uh, now if the, the third wave crisis is coming, the hospital authority even so its capacity, and also the preparedness is okay, especially if the front line Frontline um, staff reported that in those T1 or T2 wards, that means those 30 T wards, and where there is um, really confirmed cases and there is uh, stable uh, but uh, asymptomatic cases. Well, uh, staff looking over there, there's a supply of N95 uh, masks, especially just right model for those uh, white staff, is still in question. And the number of PPE now, I, I don't think the, even the hospital authority claim that oh, there's a, 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 a daily three-month stock supply. But whether it is appropriate, whether it's good quality, is unknown. And most rarely is our infrastructure guideline. With the hospital authority uh, trying to still lowering the guideline standards for the staff and also the patients. And, and the new latest issue that comes our concern is about the air exchange in general wants. To standard, but there's a failure in air exchange. Much well, as you can see, there are a possibility of hidden, hidden carrier or asymptomatic patients in the general ward. So will this affect staff uh, and patient? Will cause a lot of causing uh, across infection. All these issues are to be answered by the hospital authority. And if this uh, it become okay, and I think the hospital will come out to. Uh, 
Can I just ask you, um, uh, Gersley? The, sorry, the, the line quality is still pretty poor. But we did have a we did have a question uh, related to the University of uh, uh, of Hong Kong. This is based on a story from uh, Ming Pao that was published yesterday uh, uh, about uh, departures. What they say is the tide of departures from the Department of Microbiology at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, it's understood that among eight clinical professors, three senior experts uh, have resigned. Uh, uh, are you aware of that? Do you have any comment to make on yes. people leaving the University of Hong Kong? Go ahead. Well, that is really alarming because, uh, number one, as academics, they uh, do have academic freedom to speak the truth. Number one. Number two is if that is true or not, I think it's up to the use uh, experts or representatives trying to carry it out. And because that, uh, that if that becomes a juicy kind of gossip, that will even awareness and also the threatening the public's confidence judge of all this uh, uh, COVID-19 preventive measure or treatment measure. And I think the um, concerned party has come out to verify all this situation instead of letting the rumor from me. Okay, well, thanks, thanks for joining us. A uh, couple of comments on our Facebook page. Barbara says, living in public housing in Hong Kong is quite more dangerous during the COVID-19 period. Tom says, what worries me is that the virus was silently circulating for at least two weeks or longer. How can we detect infections earlier? I'm getting my temperature taken three times a day. But if I did have a fever, I think I'd just be asked not to enter the shop. No one would push me towards getting a test. And I wouldn't know how to get tested myself. I wouldn't want to walk into a public hospital to ask about testing if I was still feeling okay. Um, COVID-19 was announced to the world on December the 31st. There's articles in the South China Morning Post and other media on that date. Uh, Hong Hong Kong U postdoc student uh, Li Meng Yan said in January she received uh, an email from a source in China that someone suspected human-to-human -human transmission based on existence of family outbreaks. Yan was not working on COVID and this guess was based on widely available case data. During a new virus outbreak, everyone is thinking about human-to-human -human transmission, right? Shocking news. Researchers say a new virus might be contagious. It sounds like a headline from The Onion, which is a satirical website. Tom, thank you very much indeed for that comment. Uh, Backchat at rthk.hk email address. Uh, Professor Yuan, um, uh, do you have any sense of how long this is going to go on when uh, we might be free of this virus? Any thoughts? Right. So the current situation is not like a, the trend is not in a very good like a direction. So the, the, it depends on the government response and then to determine how long we, we can deal with this situation in, for Hong Kong. So the, the best, best is for Hong Kong government to review the current exemption policy and see whether they, they can first like, overcome the current risk for, for the third wave. And then after they overcome the third wave, they, they can think about a better, a better plan for, for future like a preparation to, to reduce the chance of the fourth wave. So, so the the, the situation that for the current third wave outbreak is not so so good, and whether it will keep increasing exponentially, or then they, or it can be controlled after one week, it, it depends on the current social distancing rule and also the exempt, exemption like a policy. 
Okay. Well, Professor yeah. Yan, thank you, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Wenxing Yu there, Assistant Professor in the Department of Biomedical Sciences at the uh, City University. Thank you very much indeed to uh, outgoing healthcare sector lawmaker Joseph Lee and Professor John Nichols, uh, from the, uh, who's a clinical professor in pathology at the University of Hong Kong. Ada, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning and to producer Raphael and Michelle. The weather mainly fine, apart from a couple of showers. Very hot during the day. Temperatures about 33 degrees in the urban areas. Warmer in the new territories. 30 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 78%. In Hong Kong, we all live different lives. But each of us has a role in building and protecting our home. We need people who can carry out their duty to build a stable and prosperous Hong Kong. The Legislative Council general election will be held on September 6th. The nomination period runs from July 18th to 31st. Forms are available at the Registration and Electoral Office, District Offices and elections.gov.hk. Treasure Hong Kong. Build our future. 9.32, the news now with Ben Chay. The British Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab has suspended the UK's extradition treaty with Hong Kong immediately and indefinitely, citing the new national security law. And Mr Raab said an arms embargo that's applied to China since 1989 will be extended to include Hong Kong. President Trump has said he plans to send federal law enforcement personnel to more U.S. cities to tackle the demonstrations linked to Black Lives Matter protests, which he insists are the work of anarchists. Federal officers have controversially been deployed to Portland, Oregon, where they've been accused of taking people into custody without explanation. And early trials of a coronavirus vaccine being developed at Oxford University have shown it induces a strong immune response against the virus. One of the Scientists said the results proved it was a promising option that could be manufactured on a large scale, but added that more tests were needed. I'll have more news at 10. Well, he talks to journals as the stories unfold. Should they do be musos and actors? Good morning. No matter young or that old. There's tons of stuff going on. Moves them through the studio. Oh, yes, yes. Before their coffee gets cold. Don't be stupid, drink it. Because Phil Whelan likes to chat. Imagine helping people with just downloading an app and clicking something. I don't think the Communist Party wanted to do this. We have a nightclub on the roof. One of our countries run a different way. We welcome you to the morning brew. We're the chef, he might be just kind of chewing the fat. He's really good at that. Because Phil Wheeler likes to chat. Good morning to you and welcome to Tuesday. It's the Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Well, we got the usual guys in for a chat. Jared Watt with me after 10 o'clock for the latest from Aussie, all the comings and goings there. Plus a couple of Aussie gold tracks from many years ago. He's turning it back to the 90s this morning. 11.10, Dr. Merrin Pierce will be joining us to talk about frogs. Now, particularly a couple of the rarer ones that we can find here in Hong Kong. I think uh, Roma's tree frog is one of them. And one that looks like a snake if you look at it from above. Our frog expert of the day is going to be crack herpetologist Dr. Michael Lau. So join us on Facebook Live from wherever the guys will be this morning. 
Moving on, the world is back at DEFCON 1 with regards to COVID-19, but in the process of various test and trace programs being rolled out, it seems that data laws are being broken all over the place. 